Romans chapter 15, I ask you this question, how well do you know the Lord? How well do you know the Lord? Now, uh, if, if, you, if you know him as your Savior, if you're born again, as, if you're a child of God, if you've been saved, put your faith and trust in him, all the ways that you want to say it, then, then you, you know him and you can know him in that personal way. But the more time you spend with someone, the better you get to know them. How much time do you spend with the Lord? How well do you know the Lord? I'm going to show you three, three sides of, of our Lord that I hope will be a, a blessing and a help as we're going verse by verse, expository study through the book of Romans. Uh, it's just exciting to me how God, in His providence and omniscience, uh, had us in this passage, and I believe it will be something we need in this coronavirus day in which we are living. Uh, verse number 5 of Romans 15, the Bible says, Now, now, I'm glad that now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded. Now, right now. You know, there's, there's probably some boys and girls that are uh, cooped up in the house, and, and mom and dad are kind of losing patience. <laughs> um, take heart in this. God gave little children to young people for a reason. He didn't give them to grandparents. Grandparents, we play with them and we send them home, you know. Uh, our, our patience and our nerves are, have been spent on the kids. And now they've grown and, and now they have children of their own. But when you talk about God and how well you know the Lord, He is the God of patience. Now, I do caution you. Uh, be careful about praying for patience. God answers prayer. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that the tribulation works the patience. So if you pray in accordance with God's will, and it, God's will is, is revealed in His Word, and Romans chapter 5 saying the tribulation worked the patience. Lord, give me patience. He'll say, oh, you asked something according to my will. I'll give you patience. Here's more tribulation. <laughs> but as you snuggle up close to the Lord, his nature begins rubbing off on you. As you surrender to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's presence is seen. The personality of Jesus Christ starts coming out of you. He is the God of patience. And you know how the God of patience is, is manifested in our life? It says it right here. The Bible says to grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. According to Christ Jesus, that that's the way that the God of patience is manifested in us, is that we're like-minded. That's why it's, it's difficult for a carnal Christian and a spiritual Christian to fellowship together. Someone who's just living in the flesh, living under the sun like Solomon did, Ecclesiastes said, I lived under the sun as man sees, not as God sees, but as man sees. And it's difficult for a spirit-led Christian and a flesh-led Christian, a spirit-fed Christian, a world-fed Christian to get much fellowship. But you see, when there are two believers that their goal in life would be for God to be in charge of them, they, are, they become like-minded. It's just what God does.
It goes on, it goes on to say that verse 6, that ye may with one mind and one mouth. <laughs> hey, how many times, if you, can, if you can believe this, more times than anything else in my life, my mouth has gotten me into trouble. It wasn't my hands. It wasn't where my feet took me. It was my mouth, what I said. James talks a lot about our mouth, talks about our tongue. Uh, you heard about the preacher that said, boy, revival took place because sister so-and-so came up. And by the way, I've heard men that gossip just as much or more than ladies. Said sister so-and-so came up and, and laid her tongue on the altar. <laughs> we all need a revival in what comes out of our mouth. But you see, the only thing that comes out of our mouth is what's already overflowing in our heart. So how well do you know the Lord? The God of all patience, the God of patience. Verse 7 says, wherefore receive ye one another. Wherefore receive ye one another. Had a call from a guy today, a man in our church. He said, Pastor, he said, uh, it looks like that the government is going to be sending us a, a check in the mail. He said, honestly. I have, to, I have to be frank with you. He said, we don't need that check. We don't need that check. He said, do you know of anyone right now that I could help? I mean, when the check comes, I can write it. Or I can go ahead and, and, and give some help even right now before we even get to I, I can help. Is there anybody that you... You know what he's doing? He's receiving others. Receiving them. I told him, I said, I'll keep my ears open, my eyes, my eyes peeled. Receive ye one another. Verse 8 says, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister. He was a servant of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. It's a servant. So if you're going to be like the God of patience, we're going to have to have that servant's heart with a mouth under control, like-minded with one another. I hope you see that in the passage. Okay, I'm not just pulling that out. It's right there. It's right there. All right, so the God of patience. Now I ask you to, to see this other characteristic of our Lord. He's not only the God of patience, but the God of mercy. He's the God of mercy. Look at verse 9. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his what? Mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. The God of mercy. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. It's different from grace. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. But thank God, he has not given me what I do deserve. That's mercy. That's mercy. I don't want to roll back the film of my life for anybody. I know you don't either. <laughs> I tell people all the time when I'm witnessing to them, I say, I'm a pastor at a great church in Orange City. But if Mark Sears got what he deserves, I'd be in a devil's hell right now. Thank God for his mercy. Did you see what it says here? As, is, as it is written, for this cause, I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing 
unto thy name. Now, I don't know about you, but those testimonies on Sunday night were a huge encouragement to my heart. The video testimonies that you all sent in, I'm going to ask you to do that again this Sunday night. I'm going to give you time, and I, and I want to encourage you, I just encourage you, uh, just whatever the Lord lays on your heart, but, but the Lord mentioned this in, in, in my spirit, maybe you might want to focus on a promise from the Lord, a promise from God's Word, some promise that, that speaks to your heart and comforts you even during this coronavirus day, Okay. So I want you to be prepared to do that. Again, 60 seconds or less, if you would, because that can be emailed, and we can receive that and don't have to worry about uh, 60 seconds or less if, if you'll do that. Record that. Uh, get your family together or, or, or however you want to do it. And, uh, but there's something about confessing and testifying of God's grace, His mercy, His power, His love. How good God is. And then to sing unto thy, unto thy name. We're the only creatures that God created that can sing in a language that we can, of course, understand. People would say that birds sing and, and uh, uh, hyenas howl and, and uh, all that kind of thing. And, and they, make, they make noises. But Jesus said that if you stop these children from praising me, he says, the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. It is good for God's people to praise the Lord. It's good for God's people to sing praises unto him. That's why we have music, and that's why we sing, and that's why Kathy sang just a few minutes ago, reminding us of the whispering hope. Now, where do we see the reason for us to praise him for the mercy. I want you to see it in the passage, okay? Look at it, please. Verse number nine, as it is written, do you see that there? For this cause I will confess to thee, as it is written. That's 2 Samuel 22 and verse 50, okay? Verse 10, and again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. That's Isaiah 50 verse 15, 52 verse 15. Verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Deuteronomy 32, 43. And again, verse 12, uh, Isaiah, that's the uh, uh, transliterated version of Isaiah. Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. That's from Psalm 117, verse 1. You see, the Apostle Paul was going back to Scripture as to reminding him of all the reasons why we should praise him for how merciful he is. We have a bad habit. Human beings have a bad habit. We get adjusted to our environment. And we get unthankful for things that we possess until... Those things are taken away. It's a terrible thing. We're all like that. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe Thanksgiving rolls around and, and we stop for a moment and we, we look at our family gathered around a table. A tear comes into our eye and our, our stomach jumps up into our throat and we get emotional and, and we thank God for his blessings and for all the things he's done for us that year and, and for the, the love of one another. And, and we look at empty seats where our loved one used to sit and they're not with us anymore. And we remember how grateful we should have been and how much we took for granted. So if you want to get an idea of how thankful we should be for the blessings of God and his mercy, well, go back into the word of God. That's what the apostle Paul did four times right here. He reminded us of his mercy as stated in the Bible. So go back and do a study on how sinful we really are. Do a study on how holy God really is. Look into God's word and scripture will teach us. Okay? So how well you know the Lord. He's the God of patience. He's the God of mercy. And last, and this I want you to hang on to, he's the God of hope. The God of hope. He's the anchor in a storm. He's the foundation when the earth is shaking. Look at it with me, please. Verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So I told you, I told you, Miss Kathy, that you'd be saying, wow, how did God work all that out? He works out all situations for our good. Remember that verse, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He's the God of all hope. Now, this is not the hope that, boy, I, I hope that we're going to uh, get to go do something. I hope that, no, no, no. When the Bible uses the word hope, it is an earnest expectation. It's the same kind of attitude of heart that a mother and a father, when they're expecting a baby, and they know that baby is coming, and that mama might from time to time feel that baby moving around, in the late weeks might feel that baby kicking, moving, and stuff. If they said, I hope to see this baby soon, people would look at them kind of funny. What do you mean you, you hope to? You're going to. You know, very soon you're going to see this baby. So what people say is, we say in our language, we say, I'm looking forward to that baby. I'm looking forward to seeing that baby. Oh, it's going to be precious. That's the Bible word for hope. That's the Bible word for hope. An earnest expectation. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, before I wrap that up, I'm going to give you something that will hopefully help you today, right now, 
with what we're dealing with, okay? I believe there's a three-prong attack that Satan always uses. And I, I see this going on in, in the attack that's happening in our world, in our country, in our community. And in the form of this virus, okay, anything that he can use in the physical realm to accomplish something that he can win in the spiritual realm, that's what he's going to do, okay? And so he's not going to waste any crisis. <laughs> he's not. I'm not blaming this crisis on him. I'm not blaming it on God. God's omniscient. He knows. God may have allowed this to take place for his purpose and all that kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, that the devil did it. Under, you know, God's in charge. God's in charge. But anytime that something happens like this, then Satan's going to attack. And here's what, he's, here's what he's going to do. He's going to first distract us. Distract and concern. You know, as, as I'm outside in my, in my neighborhood and walking around talking to neighbors and all that kind of thing, I see a heaviness on their countenance. They're concerned. Who isn't? Who isn't? We're concerned about uh, all every breaking news that comes across the TV, every new uh, news item or, or whatever the case may be. Every day people are just lever on, on, on the edge of their seat wanting to find out the newest thing. They're concerned. And if we're not careful, we'll get distracted. We'll get distracted from the Lord. Let me ask you something. Have you been in the Word of God during the coronavirus days like you have been in the past? Or have you, like most Christians, been distracted by the lines at Walmart and Sam's and Publix? Wondering if you have enough toilet paper? All the things that, that go through every, every person's mind. As you reach for the door handle to go in somewhere and you think, who touched it last, you know? It's easy for us, for us to get distracted. Peter got distracted. There was Jesus right in front of him. He got out of the ship and he stepped on the water and it was just like concrete. And he walked to Jesus. But what happened? Did Jesus' power fail? Absolutely not. He got distracted. He got concerned. He started looking at the waves. He took his eyes off Jesus. He got distracted and concerned. Second attack that Satan brings after distracting us, getting us concerned, he discourages us and he brings conflict. Discourages us with conflict. Think about a man named Job. He had conflict. He got discouraged. It's a human trait. We're an emotional being. When things happen and the, the rug gets pulled out from under us, Peter, when he went down in the water, he looked up at Jesus, Lord, save me. Remember that? And there was a Lord, and he picked him up, and the power of God pulsed through him, set him back on that concrete water, and they walked back to the ship. I'm going to walk up to Peter one day in heaven. I'm going to ask him, what was it like 
to walk on water. You see, as far as I know, he's the only one that ever has, except for Jesus. He's the only one that could tell us. I'm going to ask him about that. I'm going to be careful not to say anything about sinking <laughs> into the water. We make a lot about the sinking. But folks, we all get discouraged sometimes. Conflict comes and hits us. We're distracted. We're discouraged. And what's the last thing he does? He divides and conquers. Divides and conquers. Now, this is the dangerous thing. You're sitting at home. You're watching this by way of live stream. You've got a lot of other things going on around you. If you're still watching right now, and if, if it hasn't frozen <laughs> and all that, from time to time you've been tempted, I can walk away from this and no one would ever know. God wants to help you today. And during this time when we are away from one another, we're going to be vulnerable because we as a church body, we need one another. Now, they tell me that if my finger were cut off, they tell me that if I were to rush to the hospital, perhaps put that appendage that is severed from my body, perhaps even put it on ice and, and, and get rushed to the hospital and get there fast enough that the doctor could, could do some marvelous things perhaps and, and maybe save that finger. But if that finger is separated for a long period of time, that finger will shrivel up and will die. Now, folks, I'm glad that we don't have to be hugging each other's neck. I'm glad that physically we don't have to be shaking hands. We don't have to be slapping each other on the back. We don't have to do that. We're a spiritual family. But there is something about, there's something biblical about us meeting together. People have criticized President Trump. They have criticized him up one side and down the other. I'm just going to tell you my personal opinion. I think in an unbelievably impossible situation, he has done some marvelous and some wonderful things in leading this country. And I'm glad that he tries to look as an optimist. I think leaders need to uh, not be a, a, a half-empty type person, but a half-full type person. I think that people need encouragement. They need hope. And, that's, and, 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 you know, that's the thing about God. He is the God of hope. He's the one who can do something about our situation. When President Trump made the statement about, boy, it'd be great for, I heard, him, I heard him say it, it'd be great if we could all be back in church on Easter. I said, amen, amen. That may happen, it may not. It's not looking real confident that that's, that that's possible. Remember something. Would you draw nigh, would you draw close to the Lord in this time, in this time that's so special, you're not driving into church, driving back from church. Why don't you humble your heart before church and say, Lord, would you speak to my heart tonight? Would you help me? 
fill me up like a, like a, uh, you ever see those lightning bugs? You ever see those lightning bugs? I used to, used to catch those lightning bugs and put them in a jar, you know, and, and uh, put, put holes in them so, and, and just hold them up. And that was a cool thing. Lord, may I glow in the darkness. I leave you with this thought. With this thought of the, the, the three-pronged attack of Satan, he says in verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. How many of you all know what a teeter-totter is? You know what a teeter-totter is? I liked being on a teeter-totter. I didn't like it when, when the person was heavier on the other end. Because if they wanted to, they could keep me up in the air. <laughs> I couldn't do a thing about it. Let me down. Let me down. I think about this. I think about peace and joy. Sometimes there's a settled peace. Sometimes there's an uplifting joy. Sometimes in the, in the times of the settled peace, it's, uh, I'm, I'm being hit with some things. And I just have peace about it. And then there are times that the joy comes back. And peace and joy, and it's all focused on the belief in Jesus Christ, the fulcrum. Who's your faith in? Is it in Congress? I sure hope not. <laughs> the Senate? I sure hope not. Is it in the White House? I sure hope not. Is it in Jesus Christ? He's the one that can blow the trumpet, and we're out of here. So how well do you know the Lord? Make sure and don't run from him during these times. Run to him. Run to him. Lord Jesus.